Welcome back to Season 1, Episode 32 of Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties. Today's episode, we're actually going back to where we began this whole thing. We're going to be talking about Ghostbusters again. But this time, we're going to be talking about the mythos and some of the background information that's going to be very, very useful for Ghostbusters Afterlife when it premieres, uh, which is going to be later this year. For those of you who are listening, it's still 2021. But either way, we think we'll have enough info for you to listen to and be very well prepared going into this new fall movie. But before we find out which dickless peck shut off our containment unit, we've got a few housekeeping things we've got to get out of the way because... We've kind of forgot to every once in a while. We are Joe, Mark, and Chelsea, three friends who really like to talk about pop culture references, especially the ones that we particularly enjoy, and put them right into your ear holes. And if you happen to got here today on accident, you can try typing in things like Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts to find more of our episodes. And if you don't usually hang out on those podcast websites, you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Digital Dissect One. We also have a pretty keen blog that you could read sometime. So, by all means, join the conversation elsewhere. Well, it's actually kind of nice to get back to where we started because, you know, Ghostbusters has been a pretty big part of both yours and and mine uh, involvement from like our our pop culture education, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one day, if we both end up with type two diabetes, we can both have a mutual blame and ecto cooler for that. Oh, <laughs> you know, I actually have not had it since. Uh, since the 80s i never bought it again yeah, neither it. have i when they did the re-release or i know um in the gb fan community there were recipes online available to make your own ecto cooler and i don't think either of us had um had the cojones to try to so make ecto cooler I, I always love those videos because because <laughs> the guy whoever is in them they're always like all right so you're gonna put in eight to ten cups of sugar and i'm like wait 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 wait, wait hold on like you're going to kill us right away, right? Right from the start of it. Like that's one cup of water. You can't put yeah. that much in there. No. Oh man. Cups of sugar. Oh it's my just, god. It blows the mind. Uh, but either way, mm -hmm. yes, it's nice to be back in the saddle. And as our intro points out here, for folks that haven't watched Ghostbusters in a while. Because it's one of those movies that everybody seems to remember. You know, the logo is an international mm -hmm. phenomenon. Everybody knows what that oh, is. Oh, yeah. But you meet a lot of people that go, oh, yeah, I love Ghostbusters, but I haven't watched it in like 15 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't watched Ghostbusters 2 in even longer. Yeah. Um, and you and I have run into plenty of people who are even, you know, big fans that haven't played the video game either. I know, which is really sad on their part well, for them. Not not like you know, they need to try harder to be a nerd or anything, but like they're missing out. That is such a great story to that video game because one, it's written by Harold Ramis and um, yeah, Dan, uh, Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, the same people who wrote the original two movies. So yeah. it's them carrying on the story. And it is also, unfortunately, the last time we ever get Harold Ramis reprising uh, Egon Spangler. So yeah. that is something where if you haven't played it yet, I mean... It's uh, you can get this on the PS4, or the Xbox, whatever 
number they're on. Um, I can't keep tra track of them. I own this on, I think I own this on um, what, the, uh, the PlayStation 3, the PS4, and the Switch. I own yeah. this on three different systems. So, and I've played it on all three systems, um, platinum it on one because, you know, you can't platinum on the PS3 anymore because yeah, online the servers. online is shut down. Oh, most wanted ghosts. <laughs> For those of us who are big fans mm -hmm. of the PS3 game, uh, we're a little salty because they shut down mm -hmm. the servers crazy fast. It's super um, fast, Atari. What the hell? Well, those of you who had the Xbox, since you had your little you know, Xbox Live subscription. They kept that on for forever, but yeah. But either way, we'll save mm -hmm. the video game for the latter half of this conversation. But for now, mm -hmm. what we want to do is, yeah, let's catch folks up on the background of Ghostbusters. This isn't necessarily going to be like step for step the plot. No. What we're going to do here, we're going to tell you about some of the important details that we think will be beneficial going into Ghostbusters Afterlife. So mm -hmm. needless to say, this is your spoiler warning, everyone. Uh, we don't do this very often. Most of the time, our spoiler alerts are like tug in cheek as we're saying them. Yeah, because like we're usually, uh, you know, talking about properties that are probably 10 to 15 years old. So, yeah. let yeah. alone this one. This one is what, pushing 37 years old? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, for, but for to some. Joe, just just like how we've talked about before with like you know NBC's old uh, if I, if I haven't seen it, it's new to me deal. I really do think that <laughs> the video game is going to be that for a lot of people. Oh yeah, and yeah. that's and one one thing about the video game too. Before going any further, which makes me really excited to talk about this, is because the video game really does expand on the lore that we're going to be talking about. A lot of this world building and. Uh, mythos that Dan Aykroyd had put into this movie that I think some people um, don't pick up on because I know we both talked about how like we've met and talked with people who just like oh Ghostbusters it's great comedy it's like oh it's 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 more than a comedy it's a you know it's it's um it's got action it's got uh like it's it's actually a very like, great science fiction movie and like no 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 it's just funny it's like well yeah it's funny but like yeah. I think sometimes like a lot of a lot of this world building is just lost on some of the audience members because they are having kind of like too much fun watching the movie, which I mean, it's it's art. It's subjective. You get what you get out of it. So but in yeah. case, especially in case if you are someone who just views this as a comedy, uh, hopefully maybe like we'll go over a few things that you kind of just associated to like, oh, this is general plot and it just moves the story forward. Uh, and I don't know, maybe you'll take a closer, uh, take closer glance the next time you watch the movie. Yeah. And if you look at episode one of this program or program, program. as I usually always say. Mm -hmm. uh, program with the robots. <laughs> yeah. Episode one of this show uh, does, does go into this a little bit, but just like how we like to do with our, our quote unquote globetrotter episodes, mm -hmm. The story of Ghostbusters does begin in in ancient Sumeria. Yeah, you know the the the, the place of the Mesopotamians, as we've liked to say, Joe, that Fertile Crescent mm -hmm. area of the world, modern yes, day Iraq, where civilization began. <laughs> yes, and and honestly, the older I got and the more history that I consumed, the more I realized that Ghostbusters did 
pick an interesting time in human history to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sumerians and the Mesopotamians, like we said, they they were real people. Yeah. Um, I don't know were the Hittites real people. I know that they mentioned them too. They're like they proto-human. mentioned the Hittites. I think I want to say I've heard of Hittites before, and the only reason I've heard of them before is I'm pretty sure it was in a Dead Sea song. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so if they're saying it, I don't think it's just a reference to the go- to, to Ghostbusters. Um, okay. So, so it, th- I'm pretty it, sure the Hittites were real. Were same real realm, same area. Uh, we're talking like, you know, Iraq, Syria, mm-hmm. that, that same time frame, uh, which I think was, good Lord, at minimum, I think these folks were walking around. What was that like? It was like 1500 BC or something. I mean, it was... Uh, fourth millennium. So... Oh, you're okay. looking really, yeah, bit, really far back there. Yeah, just a little bit further back. Yeah. yeah. Or I, I, uh, I take it back. Mesopotamia was six thousand BC. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's 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 old. Yeah, yeah much further back. Which yep, it's it's yeah. definitely vintage, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever gaming consoles they were on, folks, officially considered retro now. Hit yes. Uh, <laughs> but but that was really fun. Mostly mm-hmm. because a lot of us, uh, when you start taking, you know, history courses, um, you know, you, you start getting into hearing about the Sumerians and the Mesopotamians, because that's usually where a lot of these history books will start. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're looking for the earliest, like organized human societies that we've got documentation on. And there's still a lot of mystery, though, to these people, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think it was such a great choice to put this story into that era, you know, yeah. Um We've talked about in our in episode one how there's there's the ziggurat right the temple of the 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 Mesopotamians that shows up in there, mm-hmm. so it was cool to see some of those little details pop up, but that's that's like the earliest Ghostbusters history that we have. That's where uh, anyone who's ever seen you know Zool before Gozer, mm-hmm. uh, you know any of these folks, they were all supposedly built into the religions of these folks back then. Yeah, and they go quite a, quite a bit into it as far as like why Gozer is stuck in this subdimension and can only escape every once in a while because there was a war between uh, basically the Gozerians in the fourth millennium uh, versus like the uh, the main Sumerians uh, at that time who worshipped Tiamat, which I'm probably pronouncing that that deity wrong, but basically there's a war between the two of them. Uh, Tiamat being the more powerful deity wins and banishes Gozer to Gozer's own little world and can only come out in this destructor form for brief periods of time which uh, always made me wonder too like when it came time for like Gozer to come out as the destructor like one thing that I guess I don't know about or maybe who hasn't I haven't read uh, into very much is how long is Gozer actually able to be out for before it gets sucked back in to its little <laughs> subworld, because like it comes out as a slore, a tor, a stay puffed marshmallow man, and we're assuming that there were not four heroes galvanizing along with unlicensed nuclear accelerate, un- untested nuclear accelerators back um, in in the early history days uh, to lock the slore and lock the tor away, and they also like you know killed thousands of people uh, or like Gozer killed thousands in that form. So what stopped Gozer and what made Gozer go back to its dimension? Well, that's, get, that's a question I always had, but yeah. it, not to get too far ahead of it, but we, it, it does kind of lead into 
the unseen antagonist of Ghostbusters, who's Evo Shandor, who mm -hmm. you hear a little bit about in Ghostbusters 1. Uh, to, to answer the question a little bit, though, honestly, Joe, the, the explanation is, is almost similar to uh, Ready Player One and like holding the power glove and having three minutes of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of, of use. But, um, but yeah, so when you start to think about uh, why Gozer can't keep this destructor form, right? Mm -hmm. you, you hear destructor a lot in, yeah. in Ghostbusters. That's because he goes or Gozer is not a he or she, by the way. That's uh, why I'm saying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, whatever, it's whatever it wants to be. Yes. Whatever it wants to be. It needs a lot of energy to be able to come through to our dimension. Right. So in Ghostbusters one, um, the whole, idea of being able to open the gate between the earth and the ghost realm we'll call it just for for simplicity's sake yep requires a ton of energy right mm -hmm. so without the energy you don't have the destructor form can't come through right that's that's effectively what seals gozer in um now as far as the 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 laws of what what gozer can do or how long it can maintain you know, it's probably got to eat a lot of calories. I'm guessing a lot of carbs. I'm you know? guessing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I once had my students calculate how many tacos Spider-Man would need to lift a truck, which by the way, that's like 4 million tacos. Not even <laughs> kidding. It is a lot. He doesn't have yeah. the stomach room to be able to do that. So we're talking about something that, you know, a giant stay puffed marshmallow man. He's like, what? 300 feet tall, something huge. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, it's the size of a high rise, you know. Yeah, huge. Like, I don't know how you're bringing that through another an, an extra dimensional gate without, like, you know, you're looking at billions of tacos to make that happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, before we get too far away from it, uh, you know, for for Gozer to get locked away, because it, like you said, Gozer was banished from this realm and mm -hmm. essentially wanders planes of existence. And so this this uh, quote unquote destructor nickname, um, Gozer wouldn't actually get until later on when exploring other other worlds. And so Gozer got the, the reputation because he would just, you know, mindlessly kill everything in his path, mm -hmm. and he would take different forms in order to do so. Yeah, um, and just to rub it in your face, he let you choose what yeah. he was going to come at, which. By the way, thank God, no, or thank, you know, whatever you believe in, they never picked like, like some schmuck wasn't like thinking of like a plague or something. Yeah. Just something or, like slow death, like, oh, God, oh, suffering. Yeah. I choose the form of a guy wearing skinny jeans, plaid, and drinking an IPA. <laughs> it's just a giant hipster. <laughs> he just annoys you to death. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, that'd be the most painful way to go, I would think. Uh, <laughs> but but ultimately that's that's where gozer gets the the nickname from the destructor mm -hmm. um seriously just killing the shit out of things and for those of you that haven't quite put this together yet because it still boggles some people gozer being able to enter planes of existence is dependent upon vince clortho mm -hmm. <laughs> not Jonah. vince vince vince, vince, vince clortho. clortho yeah I yeah. thought it was Vince for the longest time. Like that's a really modern name. I, you know, this it, guy came in late in the game to really want to be a gozer dude. But yeah, no, Vince definitely yeah. V I N Z. Yeah, Vince, Vince Clortho and and Zool, mm -hmm. uh, Keymaster and Gatekeeper. And for those of you that just need this absolutely played out for you, <laughs> keys go into <laughs> keyholes. Yes. So 
Mm -hmm. Very specific. Vince Clortho, <laughs> the key master, and Zul, the gatekeeper. Yeah. In case you have to spell that, which also, by the way, uh, demigods. Like, I think that almost doesn't get explained too well enough because, like, I always just understood those two as like just worshippers, but they're actually oh, no. fairly oh. powerful beings themselves. Yes, absolutely. When it came to mm -hmm. uh, the the history here in in Ghostbusters, yeah, Vince Clortho, Zool, Gozer—they're all treated as gods or demigods. Mm -hmm. uh, so actually. Uh, Gozer is a class seven entity, which is like reserved for demons and uh, mm -hmm. gods, essentially. And I'm pretty sure Vince Clortho and Zul are also in that same class somewhere. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, in terms of how the Ghostbusters, I said class seven, like everybody's going to fucking know what that is. Uh, they do have their classifications of ghosts and how powerful things are. So, you know, kind of like the the chart at the, the doctor's office, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, <laughs> yeah. they are definitely like the frowny face. It's a very squiggly lines and is turning a little red, like yeah. there's beet red, like two more faces down. That's not them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, That's they're too not far. Mm -hmm. They're not people you want to mess with. It's not like when you meet a dog for the first time and you, you put your hand out, like, don't do that. No, just, just, just don't, don't do that. Yeah. Go back. No, door. this is, this is like, if you see a cat, and you know that there's some cats you go like, pss, 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 you bring them over. <laughs> this is the cat you're like, no, get that thing out of here. <laughs> Not that cat. You go away. Get it out of here. Ma! Yeah. Ma! There's a weird <laughs> cat in the yard. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. It, and. <laughs> And obviously with Ghostbusters having comedic undertones, you know, with, with Rick Moranis and everything, you, you do feel like you get a little bit of the severity lost in, in this lore they've built out with, with how Ghostbusters literally gets summoned to places, just like Galactus, and wipes the shit out of things. So Vince Clortho yeah. and Zool are like the Silver Surfer, right? And yep. they come. A couple they heralds there. Yeah. Dude, they're just destroying people, and they're doing it in mm -hmm. very disgusting ways, right? Yep. Um, so, I thought that was a really uh, a really cool thing within Ghostbusters. That you know, it sounds cool. It sounds like just throwaway dialogue, like we talked about. But no, it's actually Whoa. mythos. It's actually there. There are some real things about it that weave in and out of it. You know, it's kind yeah. of cool. It's really. And Ivan, Ivan would argue that, like, even though, like, I think we both may have mistakenly said throwaway dialogue or like it's something you can usually sweep under the rug for the sake of the movie but yeah. i mean at the same time like all of it makes sense as the movie goes along if you're paying attention to it like there is a build with each little bit you you layer away of the the myth of gozer or the story of gozer there is a very nice like well thought of like build to it so yeah. this is something where when you're hearing about, you know, um, during the rectification of the uh, Voldroni, before oh, yeah. you've gotten to that, you have like heard like things like other whispers of Gozer and how, like, you start with, uh, like, there are a few names, like, we've heard of Gozer, there's some worshipers, he's like, a, but Gozer is a, is a deity, and that's all we kind of know. So, you know, it's like, okay, there's some sort of weird god involved. And then as you start meeting other characters in the movie and you start hearing more about, about Gozer, like you get this like added like okay, this isn't just some like you know backyard like um I was say back alley deity. It's like no, this is actually something serious. And when you start 
even hearing of these like these terms or these um uh these events like even though they sound nonsensical like they're just clearly making like this up for the story like there's weight to them because of how they've introduced them and how they've talked about previous things so unlike the fourth cataclysm by the time you hear the rectification of the Valdroni, you're assuming this is something that actually means something bad yeah and and specifically what it refers to just to i mean if we got to whittle it down mm -hmm. um what it refers to are races of people that gozer goes and destroys and just mm -hmm. absolutely wipes off the face of the planet yep um now one one thing i do want to talk about before we walk away from vince clortho and zool mm -hmm. joe do you, do you know that zool is actually a real thing yeah it's an egyptian thing not just egyptian Really? I'm talking. Was... I'm talking something that that you actually would love quite a bit. Zul was actually a dinosaur. No way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I had Zool, no idea. Zul is part of the Ankylosaur family. No. That, oh, wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Which I'm guessing. I wonder. So was that made? Was was Zul a part of the Ankylosaur family because someone who liked Ghostbusters discovered the dinosaur and named it, or was it like the other way around? So some things, you know, myth becomes legend, legend becomes mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, <laughs> same kind of idea here. I, I'm not sure what influences what, but the idea of the Ankylosaur being an influence for what the terror dogs looked like, mm -hmm. some people look at it and go, I see similarities. It makes sense to me. Yep. You know, I think it makes sense to me too, but, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those bits of trivia that we just didn't have time for in episode one when we were like, you know, freaking out about recording the episode. Yep. <laughs> so so th this yep. was one of those things that I always had written down. I'm like, Joe, you love dinosaurs. We got to talk about the real influence here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for those of you watching at home that want to go look up Zool, we'll give you some time or we'll just keep talking, but go ahead and look it up. Yeah. It's out there. Absolutely. So, all right. So let's move on from Gozer for a moment because we'll, okay. we'll have plenty to talk about there. But yes, the main baddie of Ghostbusters 1 who's never seen Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's hilarious how Evo Shandor is a massive bad guy in Ghostbusters and you never see him. Never, not once. Just yeah. they talk about him and how I you know he was just ahead of his time and makes buildings like they don't anymore. No one builds them uh, like they used to. No, that's just, that's the, the common term, right? They don't build them like they used to, or, <laughs> yeah. or maybe, you know, no one ever made them like Evo Shandor. Yeah, let's talk about the man himself, Evo Shandor. Mm -hmm. So we don't know about his early childhood. No. Uh, nor do we know about his formative years. But what we mm -hmm. do know is that he was a physician slash doctor. And Egon specifically refers to him performing a lot of unnecessary surgeries uh, as part of his his questionable uh, practice. Um, <laughs> we would come to find out later, because this isn't something you're going to see in the movies. Uh the unnecessary surgeries, he actually added a second heart to someone oh. in, in an effort to make them more efficient. Um, and he also apparently tried to create a centaur, human-horse hybrid. Hmm. And here I thought that maybe he was just a Star Trek fan, the first no. surgery. And he's just like, you know what? We'll give this guy two hearts, then it's going to be four lungs, and then straight on to the Klingon double dick. <laughs> but he didn't get there. He went to the centaur next the quote-unquote questionable that we don't really know if we can confirm 
organs of the race of people in Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah, they, they've really built up this interesting background for the guy that you never actually see yeah. in the movies. Mm-hmm. And part of his, uh, his background I think is, is so compelling is because he kind of plays into that idea of uh, some of these unfortunate human experimentations that happened in the early 1900s slash, mm-hmm. you know, uh, World War II era, right? Yeah, and honestly, like I, I actually kind of respect the movie. They didn't do the the cop out and just say he was like a Nazi scientist, um, because no. I feel like that's. I mean, that was the Nazis are the easy villains in basically any American movie. Oh God, yes, especially like, the eighties. Oh, definitely the eighties. Even like again, like my favorite video game series, like the Nazis show up in almost every Uncharted game, except yeah. not four. Four is all pirates, but they're in the other three. They show up. Uh, so yeah, it was refreshing. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not it's not just a Nazi scientist. This is just a crazy asshole doctor all on his own. Well, he is crazy for mm-hmm. at least in the way that I look at him. Uh, but he does revive the cult of Gozer, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, they were very prominent, like we mentioned back in Mesopotamia, Sumerian times, and mm-hmm. had been dormant for a very long time. Yep. Now. When you say Nazis, we can't confirm this because it's not in the margins anywhere, but the the cult of Gozer, he grew to almost a thousand people, I believe, um, based on what we know from all of the, the Ghostbusters lore we've gotten over the last, you know, almost four decades. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's like a thousand people. Maybe there's Nazi in there. We don't know. We're not going to speculate there. But, but yeah, he grows this this homegrown operation and they start, yeah, doing all of these quote unquote unnecessary architectural changes to buildings mm-hmm. um, he he literally builds um you know dana's uh central park west building yep art deco masterpiece <laughs> yeah yeah yep. yeah while we're, we're, while we're yeah. building this interdimensional beacon mm-hmm. we're gonna make it look look fancy all right yeah and by, by fancy you've got you've got very very architectural um i was gonna say highlights but architectural art forms such as cold riveted girders with cores of pure selenium, magnesium tungsten alloys, and gold plated bolts. Yeah. Yeah. Who builds shit like that? Which by the way, uh, I guess credit to like the New York, like uh, construction workers aren't like, you don't fucking need this for this shit. Just fucking take it. We'll put put the other stuff in there. Hey, 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 you guys, you got the regular iron shit. Just use that. We're taking the gold stuff home. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't have to know that he doesn't have to know that he'll never know yeah I mean, maybe that's why uh gozer had such a hard time getting here it was the gold plated bolts that just <laughs> oh god make it yeah. was there. <laughs> <laughs> that was the key to it all uh well what i always thought was cool about the uh the selenium aspect of this is that you know selenium is a compound that naturally occurs mm-hmm. and humans all have selenium within them we just do it's in there and I always found that cool because uh, as I grew older, I thought, isn't this interesting how selenium could be the Ghostbusters connection to the ghost realm and human existence, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool because otherwise, yeah. yeah, it just it just sounds ridiculous. Like, why the hell would you do that? Um, mm-hmm. So, well, I, I mean, yeah. as I say, you know, like, it, it, it sounds like it's very almost like alchemic um, with what's going on here, which would... I mean, alchemy by Shandor's time is definitely, you know, gone, but it's definitely looking at like, you know, these are the materials that were within 
humans. And maybe that was part of like, you know, when humans get sacrificed, that was that particular like element that was needed. It's yeah. not just like, oh, blood itself is sacred and it's life-giving. But it's like, no, maybe it's the selenium in the blood that actually goes or feeds off of or needs. And so you're lining your building with it. You just think, you know, we don't need human sacrifices. We can just slap selenium in the in the building and boom, we got a gozer tower. And we can at least make those connections, right? I mean, yeah. th that's what is so cool about this is that uh, it, it does, once again, make the idea seem kind of real in, mm -hmm. in what they're doing here. Um, so it, it was funny to to kind of hear this conversation when they're in the prison uh, in the later part of the movie, because you can kind of place yourself in the 1920s when, when uh, Shandor is doing all these things. Like, people are questioning what he's doing, but they don't have the the knowledge and the the suspicious nature that we kind of mm -hmm. have now, right? Yeah. So th this guy's just going all over New York and he's building mm -hmm. these weird things and and people yeah. just kind of go up and they're like, you know what that uh, that looks different there. Mm -hmm. But I, that's I got, weird. I got I got pants up my my armpits here. I'm not going to worry about it too much. But mm -hmm. that's uh, that's interesting. You got going yeah. up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it, so once again we're getting that realm of believability, right? But as you paint the picture of Evo Shandor, those are the things that they talk about in the first movie that if you're not paying close attention, it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, it actually, there's actually a lot there. Yeah. Cause what you, we don't even hear about Shandor until they're, they're in jail, right? That's the first time we hear about them is um, when they're going over the blueprints for um, Dana Barrett's apartment. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, we, and again, like that's also like, a great layering is that we we start with Gozer because we start with Zool because that's the first thing uh, Dana hears the terror dog say Zool. Yeah. So that's their that's their breadcrumb, and they build and build and build, and then finally, when the movie is coming to like you know a, a buckling point where things are really about to go down, uh, they get this last part where like here's this somewhat modern link to all the things that have been going on. This is our this is our missing piece to kind of figure out what we're dealing with here. And yep. then, yeah, like it's just again, it's it's great scripting, it's great pacing, it's good writing, and that's part of like again why we love this movie so much. Um, yeah. So Shander comes in in literally the uh, the eleventh hour. We hear about him in the movie, and that's the last we hear about him uh, on yep. film. Yeah, Shandor passes away uh, mm -hmm. long before the Ghostbusters ever exist. Yep. So to just basically to to we'll just uh, summate this as quickly as we can. So mm -hmm. yeah, Gozer was doing some pretty bad things thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, his worshipers died off because go, you know, Gozer turned on his own worshipers and killed yeah. them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so not, that's, not good that, job security at all. No, no. no. I mean, but, how are you going to keep coming back if you keep killing your dudes? What are well, you thinking? But it's, it's reminiscent of Old Testament, you know, even even Peter jokes about that. Right. And mm -hmm. it would make sense, by the way, for a parapsychologist, because that is an actual degree, parapsychology, mm -hmm. and it analyzes these same things, oddly enough. So, yep. so, so for those of you that like look at Bill Murray playing Pete Vankman and go, you know, he's, he's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. In a lot of ways, but his actual degree applies to everything, everything going on there. in mm -hmm. this movie. So, yep. Although we do yeah. question the uh, um, the sedatives he carries on him for dates, that's that's odd. We no, very the, weird. The Thorazine mm -hmm. stuff is 
I yeah, it, yeah. We we've mentioned this in conversation mm -hmm. over the past ten years, like going. What is he wow. doing carrying that much Thorazine with him? Lethal, lethal, lethal amounts, of, amounts Thorazine. of Thorazine. Yeah. But hey, mm -hmm. Pete Bankman, uh, we'll 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 cover that maybe in a, a later Another time. Day. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But long story short, yeah, goes her wife's out as worshippers. Mm -hmm. The cult dies off. Shandor comes back. Decides humanity it. is too sick to survive, and then how can we get rid of it? Gozer. Yep. Mm -hmm. He revives the cult. He, he yep. builds Gets, the bridge to the other plane. Uh, nearly a thousand followers, I think, was was the uh, the height of his his Gozer worshippers. But uh, we'll get we'll come back to Gozer in a little bit because when we talk about video game stuff, uh, is the next time we hear of Evo Shandor. So we get to Ghostbusters one. Um, as you know from the movie, Gozer comes back. He is yep. a you know fifty foot, hundred foot marshmallow man. I think is the the term. Uh, they turn him into you know um, what am I thinking of? Like the canned puff marshmallow, <laughs> marshmallow fluff. They turn him into marshmallow fluff, which is shaving cream, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that's what you get all over the Ecto One and all over the Ghostbusters when they're when they're done with the movie. Uh, they turn Gozer into shaving cream. Everything seems fine. The movie's over. We roll the credits. Yeah. Millions are made. They were afraid at first because was it uh, was it Ivan Reitman that actually walked out of the movie because he was afraid that it was going to tank? Oh yeah, he afraid it was going to tank. Yep. And then it becomes international phenomena. The pressure yep. mounts to to try and match that success is what mm -hmm. brings us to the doorstep of 1989's Ghostbusters 2. Yes. And so what what's funny about Ghostbusters 2, and I'm not trying to be overly academic here, but the whole point of Ghostbusters 2 is to analyze the state of, of, of the people of New York City and how this idea that negative energy, negative emotions, negative thoughts can adjust the environment around you. Mm -hmm. And there are people who have actually done research on negative energy impacting other people, whether it's yeah. children whether it's mm -hmm. relationships. So, so it was oddly topical uh, mm -hmm. even now <laughs> for 1989. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even now, like people like, I mean, I mean the whole like vibes thing, people like go off of that, like negative vibes, good vibes, all that fun stuff. But you know, it's basically mind over matter is that you can literally, the way you perceive things, the way you think things, the way you feel things can affect your physical state of being. And yeah. this movie is taking that idea and really running with it yeah um, yeah really mm -hmm. really showing you really? what can happen when oh, yeah. when you put that many miserable assholes in one place as, as pete <laughs> fankman mentions it mm -hmm. and so we'll, we'll cut right to the chase i mean there, there's a little game of cat and mouse as this this mystery unfolds as to what's happening in new york because there's some there's some weird shit happening um and as any sequel tends to be Right, like the Ghostbusters are down their luck. Nobody believes even that Gozer showed up, even though it's mm -hmm. only five years later. Yep, whatever. Um, but what do we what do we mm -hmm. get introduced to? But would be our our favorite Moldavian tyrant, Vigo, Vigo the Carpathian. The Carpathian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that guy's he's kind of got the same the same mentality as a Gozer. Just uh, oh, definitely the sorrow yeah. of Moldova. This man. <laughs> is not the one to pick up a saxophone and go to town. No. Not this guy. No. He will throw that saxophone down and end Eurovision in a second. Oh, God. I mean, the stories that they kind of build for him 
so they, they do feel very similar in terms of uh, mm -hmm. how you could how, how you're making something believable, right? Yep. Like th this was a guy who was he was murderous. He mm -hmm. uh, so Viga the Carpathian was also viewed as um, like a magician or a wizard in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So they talk about that in the movie a little bit. They build on that in some of the um, the ongoing like like books and the comics afterward. Like he he goes from magician to wizard, and so there's yep. a little little bit more going on there than just some militant guy who's killing thousands mm -hmm. of people. Um, but crazy evil though. Oh, very. I mean, you've got uh, Vigo the Cruel, Vigo the Torture, Vigo the Despised, and Vigo the Unholy were all yeah. the ones that are on the books. And then, of course, Vigo the Butch. Yes, as, mm -hmm. as Frank been Suffering from happy. Carpathian Kitten Loss Syndrome. Which yeah. is why he probably got all those nicknames. Like, how could you be happy if you don't have a kitten like that? Like, <laughs> that that drive anyone to madness, you lose your kitten that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh... It, it, it once again, it's it's interesting how this is kind of sandwiched into a comedy, quote unquote, mm -hmm. right? Um, because the way this guy existed, like you said, he's a tyrant. He's killing people. He's enslaving people. He's taking over these countries uh, mm -hmm. in, you know, like what we'll, we'll, you just want to call it Eastern Europe. You know, fictional, fictional transition Russia, right? So yep. that's where he's he's doing business, mm -hmm. um, and so. It's, it's, it's kind of similar to Gozer. Yeah. The people that, you know, are under his thumb mm -hmm. do kind of rebel at some point. Yep. And so the, the fight that happens here ends up, <laughs> Vigo ends up being uh, poisoned, shot, stabbed, hung, stretched, disemboweled, and drawn and quartered. Mm -hmm. And then just before his head died, he says, death is but a door, time is but a window, and I'll be back. And all the way, this was done at the ripe old age or young age of 105 is how old Vigo was when this happened. Which, again, like, this is good world building. This is good storytelling because in this, like, one line, you have really, like, shown that, okay, he was a powerful wizard. He had, like, clearly you had to have some magical control or something that lets yeah. you, one, I'm not gonna say live that long because certainly there are people now that have are, been on the planet for 105 years, but like to yeah. be 105 years and have all of those things happen to you and your head manages to survive. Yeah. So clearly, I mean, to me that implies he was even decapitated. He was. And he, no, he yeah. was. He's he's beheaded. I, I mean, he's, yeah, beheaded. Yeah, that's right there. So yeah. he's beheaded and the head's still like talking away, and it's like, okay, yeah, this guy, like you know, he fucks. Oh, just does. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, years later, when when you think about dark energy and how it impacts the ancient one in the Marvel universe and Doctor Strange, mm -hmm. I, I I made that same parallel to Vigo, you know, altering energy to keep himself alive, because in death, you know, he his essence transfers to his painting that he had commissioned mm -hmm. of himself. Yes, at a very on Harry Potter like way like oh this is a bad painting haunting not like a a sleepy Dumbledore yeah. not yeah. not like that at all <laughs> just just Vigo in there at night and he's like put that light out <laughs> that's all he's there for <laughs> yep he'd be like there's a troll yeah. <laughs> and I put it there you bitches <laughs> I've made the glass shatter with the sound of my voice <laughs> Yeah, Vigo is a bad dude, though. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I think that's, it, if you want to call it sequel syndrome, maybe they maybe they lost a little bit of that uh, severity because of the, the path they chose with the movie. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No. What we're here to talk about is that you've got a really bad dude. Mm-hmm. And as we begin to explore this negative energy, we find out that there's just tunnels of slime underneath the, the streets of New York yep. that, that allow him to come back. Yeah. Um, but the the slime is is also interesting in this in the fact that it has some limitations and it has some rules, just like Gozer has rules. You know, Gozer has tremendous amounts of energy that are required to summon him into this world. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they capture all those ghosts in the containment unit and it busts open, that's that's the kick that allows that to happen. In Ghostbusters two, the slime that's running under the streets, which we will get to in a moment because mm-hmm. uh it's kind of unexplained how it gets there but we don't worry we're building well, yeah, we're getting there <laughs> give us time <laughs> the slime operates though on a similar type of you know of uh of rules where yeah like it, it allows ghosts come to come back and manifest and, mm-hmm. and begin to do things but it can't restore physical forms Mm-mm. so i thought that was cool because it does kind of mirror that of the gozer you know coming into this world thing yeah and so if you're if you're not a fan of ghostbusters 2 at least look at the rules and go they did put some thought into this they did and it was also kind of nice that like yeah you already have that you have a very similar build of like you have this very powerful thing trying to come back by the end of the movie but i mean you need to have something like that um you can certainly do something where like the uh, the big bad is there the whole time, but usually when that happens, like when you've got a movie that does that, like the monster's already there, they do the thing where like you don't even see the monster fully until halfway through the movie or maybe until the end of the movie. So even then, it's it's the same like cinematic concept of the the evil's there, it's doing something. You don't see the full evil until we're almost done. So it's it's the same type of smoke and mirror thing, but it is nice that they didn't do the same thing. Like they didn't just do another God. They didn't just do another deity with all these, these minions or anything. This is just like, I don't know, the self-made monster, I guess is, is the way to put Vigo. Um, yeah. And he is almost by, as it would almost, as it kind of ends up turning out by chance, because of the slime, he's able to almost come back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, And it, I think what it does interestingly enough here is we're trying to give people some background into the, you know, in, into the new movie here. Um, what, what I think it does well enough is that it proves that in the Ghostbusters universe, you can create, you know, these characters that, yeah, that might feel almost like a serial in, you know, pulp fiction, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the ability to, to, to bring in these characters can be done. I mean, f- for all the faults of Ghostbusters too, Vigo remains to be a pretty solid villain. Yeah. And uh his his abilities and what he's capable of, I mean if if Ghostbusters 2 was any grittier it would be terrifying. It would. I think. It would. And I don't know, still I think Ghostbusters 2 gets way too much flack. I will say that every time we talk about it, it's a great movie. And and honestly, if you're looking at it as a, like again, like if you're like, "Oh, these movies are only comedies." I almost think that Ghostbusters 2 has a lot better comedy than Ghostbusters 1. Yeah. In some respects. Like the like, I don't know, 
they take Egon's like weird science, like eccentricity to like a, like another level. Like you definitely have that in the first episode, in the first episode, in the first movie, the, uh, remember that time you were, you tried to drill a hole in your head and he's like, that would have worked if you wouldn't have stopped me. Yeah. Like it's, a, that's pure. Like he's, he's thinking at a different level as a scientist thing. And then you have this movie where he gets a kiss from Dana Barrett on the cheek and he like, there's like yeah. a, oh, there's yeah. a physical shudder there. And then, uh, you find out like the psychology stuff he's doing, like he's basically torturing this couple that oh, is, God, that yes. thinks they're going in for marriage counseling. And it turns out he's just raising the heat and telling them that they have to wait like another hour or so every, every, like, I don't know however long they tell that they just keep delaying it. So he's torturing those people because they're, they're not also, he says they think they're getting counseling. So he has yes. no intention of like, we will actually get them a counselor at the end of this. Like we're, those people are going to go home very angry. <laughs> and then, and then moments after he's told that he's like a great guy <laughs> by Dana, then he immediately says, let's take away the puppy from a kid. And it's like, Oh God. Yeah. It's like, so the humor is there, but the, the long story short of it is that <laughs> if you're mm -hmm. trying to get caught up on Ghostbusters two and you don't either have access to it, mm -hmm. really what you can, can focus on here. If you've never seen it, I guess yep. is, is that there, there is a force that's putting slime underneath the city of New York. Mm -hmm. Obviously the Ghostbusters figure out a way to, to reverse this negative energy and to, to rise to the occasion. Um, and so it's cool because we get Vigo out of it. You know, we, we get this, this, this case in, in the Ghostbusters universe that, that emotions can do very powerful things in the universe. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's a really good setup for the video game. Yes. Which takes place two years later in 1991. And what's really fun about it is that the 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 joking line of the franchise rights alone will make us you know rich beyond our wildest dreams is kind of becoming true, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, as the Ghostbusters are negotiating contracts with the city of New York. Yep, uh, they have a very steady inflow of business, and so uh, it's uh, it's very good times for them as opposed to the beginning of Ghostbusters too. Mm -hmm. um, so much so that we're introduced to the rookie who. It's just named the rookie. Yep, that's that's all he gets. He bears an uncanny resemblance to our friend Steve Meyer. <laughs> yes, he does. And just like any good boy mm -hmm. band, you need a fifth member. So here yeah. we go. So the video game we we want to be kind of careful with here, but at the same time, we gave you a spoiler warning because there's some very important things going on. And as we mentioned with our buddy Evo Shandor. Mm -hmm. The video game does a very good job of showing how the Shan or the the cult of Gozer wasn't just a thousand people. I should say living people. Living people, yeah. Because <laughs> it turns out they do take members from beyond. They do. Mm -hmm. They do. And and so what's interesting about this is that the 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 cult of, of Gozer or the Gozer worshippers, whatever you want to call them they end up doing uh, almost like an Illuminati type of thing, right? Like they're, they've, they, they go back and talking about the life of Shandor because in, in Ghostbusters one, we don't really get the life of Shandor. We just hear about the, yeah. you know, here's the cliff mm -hmm. notes. Yep. Well, they, they absolutely build on this to where we find out that the, the cult of Gozer is alive and well, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, Yes. Alive? 
yeah. <laughs> well, just like any madman, uh, Evo Shandor put some some things in place. You know, should he meet his demise? Mm-hmm. Um, because in Ghostbusters one, the gate opens right. The gate to the ghost plane opens, but it's not because of some organized reason. Mm-mm. It happens because of of issues with Walter Peck. You know, mm-hmm. it happens because this massive amount of energy that was being stored gets blown open, and so it's kind of just a nice coincidence for for Gozer, right, mm-hmm. to get into the planet. Or was it fate? Vince Clark was <sighs> there, and he knew it was going to happen. Mark, I don't know. Could be fate. Could be karma. <laughs> yeah. We'll never know. Mm-mm. But in the video game, we find out that there was much more planning involved and that the, the unnecessary uh, architectural changes around the city, they all had a, had a purpose show. Mm-hmm. And uh, do, do you want to regale us with that story? So it would turn out that when Shandor was just, you know, buying up property left and right and springing up his, his Gozer towers, uh, it wasn't random. Oh no. Because the Shandors and their very, very large wealth that they had, because it turns out they had their own island uh, in New York. So they had an island with a castle, which I mean, castle, mansion, whatever you want to call it, a lot of money. So they were able to throw some things around here. And they were really, really pulling for Gozer because they had basically set up more or less a network dedicated to bringing Gozer back through throughout New York. Um, all of these points on the uh, uh, where, where the buildings were, uh, they formed, I'm trying to remember the exact term. It's not a pentagram. They're not, so, doing, the, not doing a different thing. Where are they, what was it again? There's a mandala. Mandala, that's the thing. They formed a mandala. And that mandala's job was to bring back Gozer, or bring back a massive deity. And... To power the Mandala, they started their network at Shandor Island, where they were able to basically bring the slime from another dimension and get it under New York City. And that's and it's it was it was presumably there during Ghostbusters One. It just no one knew that it was there. It wasn't doing anything at the time, and. Yeah. It just eventually builds up enough charge for Ghostbusters 2 over, you know, people assume step on your neck is say hello. Uh, yeah, step on your faces, look at <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, and then it finally can, like, bring back uh, Vigo. So Vigo was benefiting from the work of Evo Shandor. Yes, um, the entire time. Mm-hmm, the, the absolutely. Time. The, the entire time, which is mm-hmm. what makes the video game so brilliant because slime is, I mean, ectoplasm is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first off, yep. uh, it, it may not have psychokinetic properties or do what, you know, mm-hmm. what it does in Ghostbusters, but it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, but the, this idea of, of slime and how they used it, the, whether it's the Shandors or whether it's Ghostbusters in general, mm-hmm. um, slime ends up being almost a, let, let's just call it the abridged version of accessing other dimensions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, it's, a, if, it's a it's a medium, it is basically mm-hmm. yeah. And playing off of the rules of Ghostbusters too, if it's negatively charged enough, that thing can open up a gate to the ghost plane. Yeah. So what the video game does a really good job of is is proving that the Shandors weren't just a family of one guy 
who is a crazy doctor no scientist no not just one man alone betrayed by the cult he loves (laughs) which which uh for those of you who are let's just say at home and you're literally like drax and you're taking everything we say literally joe does not actually mean that the uh the the cult of gozer never turned on evo Mm -mm. um but Evo definitely made some pretty strong connections across the city of New York. Yeah, very affluent people, which, you know, you may need if you're trying to build an underground network of, of slime towers to bring back an old deity. Yeah, well, and that's what's so cool about, well, I say cool, but like it's, I don't mean cool in like actually being an evil asshole, but I mean, it was cool in how they built this out, like yeah. un, under the cities, uh, under the city of New York, like he enlisted, I think it's national steel, the, mm-hmm. like the, like the CEO of, of national steel yeah. became one of the worshipers of Gozer. And so, you know, Eva was making promises to these major business mm-hmm. people in New York and they're helping him build the infrastructure for the mandala that we talked about. Um, if you've never seen a mandala before, really, it's like a series of concentric circles that kind mm-hmm. of overlap with each other. And so I think the easiest way for people to visualize this is like, if you're watching the game of Thrones intro and you see all of the houses, like crossing over each other and lining up in the, yeah, the circles, Mandela, like mm-hmm. that's the same type of idea. At some yep. point mm-hmm. they all align just like the planets do. And that's, that's how they, they basically come up with this idea of when you focus the rings, the energy passes through, boom, the portals opened. Um, yep. So, I always thought that was awesome because the the idea behind explaining the slime and how the slime has a part in summoning the ghosts, the ghosts are the energy source that powers the conduit, and then the conduit hits the nodes, the nodes open the portal. I mean, holy shit, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, yeah, unquote. it's a comedy. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so what I, what I thought was really great about the video game in this mm-hmm. sense is that it it validates ghostbusters 2 first of all oh completely it, it's i mean it is i can definitely see again like the the complaint that the slime was just conveniently there at the time of the movie uh yeah. because yeah it seems like yep this is a i mean it's not as bad as the uh, the ecto-1 being an, a rolling nuclear bomb at the last second but it is it's a convenient plot point uh whereas now it's it turns out it was actually a very well fleshed out idea as opposed yeah. to just it was a quick throwaway thing yeah well it, and who knows what it would have played into if our original vision of ghostbusters 3 actually happened because yeah. i mean they took the treatment that dan Aykroyd had for three mm-hmm. where they go to an alternate version of you know manhattan called manhattan this stuff is all out there. If you guys ever want to see it, there's a lot yep. of uh, ideas that got pulled out of this that they recycled for the video game. Mm-hmm. But the video game was was awesome in in establishing that there are ways to pass into the ghost plane that don't require the massive amounts of energy. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just that you need to know how to get there, and there are certain sacrifices that have to be made. Or I don't know if you want to call it. Uh, I don't know. It's artifacts. I think it was just I think artifacts. Ba- yeah. Yeah. It was based around artifacts, um, mm-hmm. which was really cool that the, the Ghostbusters universe would have cursed artifacts that could help mm-hmm. you travel between planes. Yep. Um, but so it, it establishes that and it shows us that there were multiple different ways 
to enter, you know, the ghost, the ghost realm essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, yeah, it's a nice little bow. Yeah. <laughs> on, mm-hmm. on the, the cinematic universe that we thought at that point. Very, which, um, I think going off of that with, uh, where you have the video game ending, focusing on Shandor, um, and now moving into the modern era, we have Ghostbusters Afterlife coming up. And I guess, I mean, we can't really say spoiler alert because we haven't seen the movie. So what we're going into now is going to be some speculation stuff um, as to what you know could be going on in the movie uh, based off of what we've seen from what the one or two trailers that are out for it so far. I think we have well, two. There are two trailers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can definitely do some speculation here, but what I think is important is to get back to the idea of what we're doing here is helping people mm-hmm. understand things that are contextual from what we have yeah, and then heading into what, you know, what we don't know about yet, or at least yep. what we, we chosen few don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> and I mean, we, 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 we do not have, uh, you know, access to the movie ahead of time. We are not we're not the chosen uh, group of people who've seen it already. One day, perhaps. One day. When we to... actually have sponsors for the podcast, when we can <laughs> stop saying Columbia Pictures, Columbia TriStar Pictures, not a sponsor of the Digital Dissection podcast. <laughs> um, and they just give us stuff. That'd be great. But anyway, yeah. um, things that we have seen in the in the previews that do point us in the direction to where like knowing the mythos behind uh, the previous two movies and video game could be important is that we do have terror dogs in the in the preview so we've yeah. got them coming back and of course you've got these these goofy little stay puff marshmallow men um showing up in the in the market when supermarket with paul rudd so which you're going to be assuming are basically tiny like precursor forms of gozer coming back into the world it, it is it hard be. to know. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard. It is hard to know. But one thing I did want to talk about as far as bridging the gap from mm-hmm. the video game to afterlife. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the video game, Shandor basically says that I've seen enough of Gozer. He, he does a full on Thanos and says, mm-hmm. I'm going to do things my way now because yep. I mean, he shows you Gozer's head at the end of it and goes, yeah, Gozer's just, you know, Bush League. He's not doing it for mm-hmm. me anymore. Or yep. Full on, like, we've tried Gozer twice now. Hasn't pro- Kevin, hasn't come through on the promises. Screw this. I'm doing it myself. Yeah. That's the Shandor attitude. Yep. He sure does. Mm-hmm. And and so coming into this movie, um, it's hard to know how much of the video game they're actually going to use. Mm-hmm. Which I hope they do. I don't I haven't I, I haven't heard if the video game will be having any context or brought up in this uh this capacity but i hope i hope it is because it's a great great game great story well it's hard to know what what they're going to use but what we have seen in the trailer finally getting to that there are some breadcrumbs that are in the trailer that show us that the cult of gozer once again is not just contained within one person the organization Mm -hmm. is much bigger than just new york and so that's what brings us to 
this rural town. Is it is it in Oklahoma or is it in Alabama? I'm trying to remember where it's supposed to be. You know what? Oddly, I don't know why, but I thought it was somewhere even further out west. Oh. But it's definitely maybe it is Midwest. Um, yeah. Actually, did, they I, even, did they even say it yet? Because all I know is the the only thing that I remember is hearing like you know Paul Rudd's character says, "How's a town with no fault lines? Um, How is it shaking?" So then I guess you would assume it probably isn't terribly far out west because that would assume that would probably imply that. You know, you're, the closer you get to California, the closer you are to fault lines. So, <laughs> I, well, I, I think it is Oklahoma because, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's in Oklahoma. That's where yeah, it takes place, where the wind goes sweeping down the plain. Well, I it really I think it's a cool place to to set this because, um, the thought process that I was in was that there's this idea that there are multiple gateways to hell that exist mm-hmm. on Earth. Right. Uh, I think one of the supposed locations is in like Kansas or something. Right. Um, I mean, that I think that what that's according to supernatural, that's true. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's legit because mm-hmm. I lived in Kansas and everyone's like, Oh, we should go there on Halloween and get fucked up. And it's like, no, I don't, I really don't want to mess with that if it is real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, this idea of, of gateways that we've established, right. There's multiple different kinds of gateways in the Ghostbusters universe, whether it's an extravagant one that requires a shitload of energy, or if you have the right tools, you can access it. Um, or if you've got the properly charged slime, you could potentially open the gateway too. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that there would be another gateway to access Gozer. And in the trailer to Afterlife, we do actually see an underground temple in Oklahoma that has... Mm-hmm. Gozer's flat top. Yeah. Gozer's prominently Your featured. Little zigger out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes. So the idea that there's another gateway that was built exists. And my thought process was if we have the infrastructure to do this in New York, mm-hmm. I'm sure they can do it in other places. Oh yeah. Just you know, just need some selenium and a can do and some can do attitude. And you're gonna make you a Gozer gateway. <laughs> just, just find a few guys standing around a Home Depot. Hey. I need three. Got a, got a temple we're gonna build. Come on, three. <laughs> ah, yeah, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> but, but that that was really kind of striking that the that the Gozer worshippers once again Illuminati style, stonemason mm-hmm. style. They have their own insignia. The insignia is prominent in the trailer for the movie. Mm-hmm. So, it it adds up. It makes sense. And in this little Oklahoma town, Oklahoman town, however you want to call it. Um, we find out that Egon travels there after the events of, you know, if you want to call it post GB2, post video mm-hmm. game, whichever narrative choice they pick, or no yep. matter what happens, Egon makes his way out there. Um, Buys himself a house. Yep. He settles down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also seems like maybe the women were actually interested in his epididymis because yeah. he's got progeny now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got... have no idea who they came from. I, I, I'm personally pulling for Janine. You know, yeah, it could be. See, see, see what happens. That caricature mm-hmm. she played in two could have been erased, and you know, they they finally found each other. Well, maybe time. Louis Tully was just a fling. I, maybe yeah. it was mm-hmm. the '80s, Joe. It was a weird time. Yeah, it was French bread pizza. Everyone got a little weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but in this case, man, speaking of getting weird, so the Gozer worshippers definitely operated in cells. They have to, mm-hmm. and so now we find out this idea that there's multiple different locations where they were trying to summon things. So 
that's the key is that it could be another, you know, another Gozer summon. You've mentioned the mini marshmallow men. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was a, who knows? Maybe that was a, a failed attempt to bring Gozer through. Yeah. It was just a, a, a premature manifestation. Yeah. We all, every deity does it, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of sending Gozer through time, we forced time through Gozer, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's so that's what I thought was really cool though, is that, just in this little trailer that we got, the two trailers that we have, we definitely see that they're th that the the breadcrumbs that have been carried over from two movies and a video game mm -hmm. have to be living in this movie in yeah. some capacity. Like the the movies, yes, that's a no brainer. Like Mark, you're a dumbass. I know that, but the video game definitely feels like it has some roots that are taking hold here, mm -hmm. um, especially. Because I also this is this is where the speculation part's gonna pop in here. We'll we'll timestamp that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I really do think the the Shandor family continues to live on even past the video game. And I'm thinking that will come back here too. Because it comes back in the video game. Mm -hmm. I think it'll come back here in the movie in some capacity too. Now, as far as who that's going to be, my money's on Paul Rudd. That Paul Ooh. Rudd could be the, the you know, he's he goes by a different name. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the name is so ridiculous that to me it means this guy must have been a Shandor and didn't know it because somebody was ashamed of the name once they found mm -hmm. out all this stuff and then, you know, changed their name years oh, later. Kind of like how uh, someone turned out they were a Palpatine this whole time. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, mm -hmm. his name is literally Mr. Gruberson. In that movie, he's also a middle school science teacher. We have odd names. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, which uh, I don't but, know. It could uh, be. Um, I I don't know. I think, and maybe he's attached to it because I was going that same route too. Because you've got a terror dog very interested in, in him in the in the trailer, and it's it's very reminiscent of you know um um. Lewis Tully being chased by a uh, terror dog in the first movie until he eventually gets caught. Uh, yeah. So you've got like Paul Rudd, you know, booking it out of Walmart as fast as he can. The terror dog comes flying out. So I think, I think he's either Zool or Vins uh, in this movie it, or meant it, to be like, a, a, you know, obviously like he's a, um, a vessel for one of the two. So I'm happy you said vessel mm -hmm. because there's a this is a spoiler that came out uh, from the the action figure line, the, the the new Ghostbusters line. Mm -hmm. So there's a build a figure within the Ghostbusters toys, right? Mm -hmm. And that build a figure is of a standing terror dog on its hind legs. Yeah. Like it's mm -hmm. it's it's I, I can't remember exactly what name they gave it, but it's not Vince and it's mm -hmm. not Zool. It is a third. Is a, yes, player yes, three I, has entered the game. I can't remember what they called it, but it was something like the administrator or like, like it, I can't remember, but it, it's, it's a specific name like that. And so, so it, has it come to validate our parking finally? I, either that or, you know, it's, it's going to make a suggestion about how we should parent our kids. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have no idea, but, but that, that's, that's something that I always was kind of keeping in the back of my mind. The toys were going to have a spoiler at some point and sure yep. enough, they did. They always do foolish so, decisions. If if Mr. Gruberson, Paul Rudd, is not a Shandor, then 
maybe he's the selected person for that third terror dog, which yep. might have a tie to, to Shandor in some way. Mm -hmm. So some of this does require us though, to lean on that Shandor connection, right. And what happens at the end of, of the video game. But given who wrote that, I would think they would treat it as canon. I think most people do. So yep. that's where it takes us. Yeah. And, you know, off topic, all the toy companies out there with the build the figures, can we pump the brakes a little bit on those? As a collector, <laughs> they're very annoying, especially, and at least if you do it, make it worth a while. Like, I, I, as long as like the build a figure is like a massive figure, forgivable. I am still, still very upset with the Marvel Legends line who did a build a figure of Bro Thor in his pajamas who oh, is just as big as every other figure in that line. Like, why do I have to buy seven figures to get one free figure? Just sell oh. me Bro Thor because, honestly, he's all I wanted in the first place. And now I have to get it from some guy on eBay who wants, like, 80 bucks for Bro Thor because he had to buy seven figures to build him. Oh, hmm. stop I it. Just enough with it. Just sell the damn figure. At least in this case, I think it was only like, what is it, five or six figures yeah. you have to purchase? So, I mean, yep. not quite the seven, but it's mm -hmm. it's yeah. still kind of rough. I mean, and mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of, speaking of the toy line so far, I am very curious where they're going with that. Because currently, they have made, at least from what I've seen, you've got the original three Ghostbusters, who are now old. Uh, because, you know, they're all old in real life. That's where they are. Um, you've got... The new Ghostbusters, who are the kids, um, yeah. Trevor, Podcast, and I'm forgetting the third one. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, yeah, this is Egon's granddaughter. No, that's the thing. It's not Egon's granddaughter. It's it's another another kid in the movie. But Egon's granddaughter oh, is oh, more oh, curious yes. Yes, because that's right, that's right. She, she's missing from the toy line. That's currently. true. She's not anywhere, and that that blows my mind because like again, like I I got. I've I've purchased the three the three original Ghostbusters and the only kid I want is Egon's granddaughter and she's yeah. nowhere. So I'm trying to figure out like, is she coming out in some sort of special two pack, or am I finally finally gonna get my scale Ecto one that can fit the figures in it? Probably not because I already have an Ecto one for this line. But where is she, and why can't I buy her yet? I don't I don't it's, know why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Phoebe, uh phoebe phoebe spangler yeah phoebe yeah like phoebe's missing and it's annoying but it's like yeah oh well i digress well, well the, the, but the 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 whole point though i mean for if you watch the trailer you'll you'll be able to get this pretty quick is that mm -hmm. egon clearly left new york for a reason yep there's ties to gozer and the gozer worshipers cult of mm -hmm. gozer they're clearly there in oklahoma doing something weird yep he very much like evo shandor in the first movie he dies mm -hmm. before his purpose is realized. So he leaves behind all of these clues and things for people to find. So the kids obviously find the tech, they find what he was working on. Yep. And at some point we're going to understand exactly what's going on here. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, that pretty much brings us to the doorstep of, of this the movie. Life. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without filling in too much other stuff. That's just wild speculation. Yep. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yep. although some good bones, good bones that are going into it. Yep, uh, very excited for in this movie that the Ecto One is finally probably going to be running through the whole thing behind the scenes because <laughs> it turns out the way to solve the problem with the car breaking down constantly, just put a Corvette engine in it and it'll run fine. 
because that's what they did. <laughs> if it worked for every like mid fifty Chevy, it should work yep. for that thing, right? Absolutely does. And like, if you're wondering, like, how do they get that massive wagon to drift? About four hundred and fifty horsepower is how they did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, folks, this was the little little bit of uh, adrenaline you needed for your Ghostbusters knowledge. Yep. Um, we did not want to give the entire thing away, um, but but we did want to help you know bridge some of the information that we hope will be useful on the yeah. way there. Absolutely. And final thoughts before we leave you, Mark. Trying to imagine early 20th century, Evo Chandra's going around. He's building all of his buildings, right? He's he's got some wealth, but no one has that much wealth where they can, you know, do that to New York City on their own. So he's going to all these other very affluent, very wealthy people in New York to get them in. And you know he's not gonna lead with the Gozer stuff. You don't go straight to the crazy cult to get wealthy people on your side. How did you get him there? My money is on eyes wide shut parties. I wish it were that simple, but what he actually promises them is, uh, is a place in the afterlife. That's how he did it. He went to all these major business leaders around New York and he said, this will be your place in the new world when Gozer comes in. And they bought that hook, line, and they bought and sinker. It. They bought it hook, line, and sinker. But at the same time, huh. what also happened was this transformation of these people upon death. Um, so that's one thing we didn't actually go into a ton here was that mm -hmm. the the massive amount of negative energy that Vigo creates, e uh, Evo Shandor also creates that same amount of negative energy just in the things that he does and and what he has you know performed in his life. Mm -hmm. So upon death, you know, he has the ability to turn into, uh, the architect form, which is this massive, like, yeah. like Roman statue dude hurling fireballs. Well, the same thing happens. To these business leaders of New York, um, you saw the chairman yeah. in the video game. So the chairman mm -hmm. is the guy, the head of National Steel that you talk about. Yep. He in the afterlife ends up having all these crazy powers. He can manipulate how how big he is. You mm -hmm. know, all this kind of stuff. So that's what he sold them on. Was that when you die, based on the knowledge I have of, you know, Gozer worshiping and this stuff, you'll have a front seat to the show. Oh, wow. And here to think, I was just here thinking like, hey, they could have got me with kinky sex. And that's all they needed. I know. Good that. Way to hold out for power, guys. Good for you. <laughs> if you give me a bag of chips, I'd probably be okay with it. Uh, yeah, so. I've been fine. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd be a cool customer either yep. way. Yeah, but they're like, we're all off to see the Wizard of Goes. Why? <laughs> because of the terrible things that he does. So Joe, do you think it's time for us to try to get Ghostbusters 101 into colleges nationwide? I think so. I think we're ready to become professors that get thrown off of campuses ourselves. Yes. I think we, if we can do it, we've got the energy. Got I'm, the <laughs> I'm ready to be told that I treat education and science as a hustle. <laughs> <laughs> the part we're meant to play. Yeah. Oh, but hey, 
folks we really do hope that we gave you a an awesome crash course going into ghostbusters afterlife which is going to be coming out in november november 19th it's been delayed two a couple short times months. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but two short yeah two short months mm -hmm. we're looking forward to it but um but similar to the past few weeks is our as our epic conclusion here what we're going to do is a few more shout outs to our friends in the twitterverse yeah Specifically, yeah. We want to talk about some some folks that are good friends of ours, as well as some that we've reviewed recently. We do mm -hmm. uh, we do help review other podcasts, especially when folks are kind of up and coming like we've been. Um, and one of these shows that uh, sent us an episode in was the Midnight Train podcast. Um, if you guys haven't listened to them before, they're they're actually it's a really cool concept. Um, so it's a it's a group of friends that are sharing some stories with each other a lot of times they end up being uh if you want to call it's not quite true crime but if you've ever looked at some of the like bizarre and unsolved cases you know over the last 150 years 200 years these guys will bring their panel in they'll talk about these topics and it's it's an interesting balance because some of the stories are creepy but these guys are really funny <laughs> so <laughs> So they, they managed to balance it extremely well. So the Midnight Train podcast, folks, highly recommend that you check it out. Uh, we'll link them here in the notes as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, alongside the Midnight Train podcast, another good friend of the podcast is Torch the Poet. And he, you know, he's uh, he's taking Twitter by storm right now with lots of fun debates that he has on his show, as well as other topics that he talks about. Uh, recently, he did an open debate on the age-old comparison of Star Wars and Star Trek. And if that man was willing to take that on willingly, openly, all over the internet, kudos to you, friend. And if you're on Twitter, uh, he does host weekly discussions via Twitter Spaces, which basically are like an audio chat room uh, that he gets to um, host daily. So check him out. Yeah, seriously, Torch, we, we appreciate your support. And speaking of support that we appreciate, we'd also like to call out our friend Jeff, the podcast father, mm -hmm. or otherwise known as the indie podcaster. Um, yep, if, Papa Day Podcast. <laughs> if you if you remember, we actually shared some posts about uh, our interview with with Podcast Father. Uh, this would have been, I think, we recorded it back in July, and then I think it it launched in August. So. Um, if you haven't heard that yet, though, definitely pay our friend uh, Jeff over at the Podcast Father a visit. We'll link that in the notes as well. Um, and actually, it was Joe. It was uh, right when we introduced Chelsea to the program. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, kind of on that that kicking off point. Nice little time capsule for those of you uh, that have been listening to us since day one. Yep, it, you're, in that time capsule, you'll find an ocarina and the episode of the Podcast Father with us and Chelsea for the first time. I was hoping you're going to say garlic bread in some capacity there well, always yeah. always garlic bread that's just assumed at this point <laughs> well as we've mentioned before we we do want to leave some actual stuff for you to find out there on future episodes mm -hmm. we do have a very big episode coming up next week so we do want to actually share that with you yes um if you followed our social media you've seen a post that we've sat down with the legendary voice actor kyle a bear and I mean, he's he's pretty much voiced every damn Japanese voiceover that's come over to the United States. He, he really has. Like, if you like take the plethora of anime and you just throw a stick at that list, you're gonna hit five things that he's been in, mm. and like it's randomly like that pool is huge. You just throw it and like boom, five Kyle <laughs> Bear voices right there. 
I mean, right off the top of my head, we've got Dragon Ball Z. We've mm-hmm. got uh, JoJo's. Uh, was it Bizarre uh, Adventure? Bizarre Adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Ryu in Street Fighter. Yep. Um, my Hero he's, Academia. He's yeah. Uh, yep. One he's piece. Um, one Piece. God. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he is. He, for one, he was brilliant to get done to talk to you. Oh, Hilarious absolutely. guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we we can't wait to show you that one next uh, next week after this. Um, but we thought we. We won't tease it anymore. I mean, there's photos of it out there. We've been we've been advertising it now for for a couple weeks, so it's officially coming, guys. We talk to Kylie Bear in just a week's time. Um, but yeah, otherwise though, I I think Joe, we're we're good for the part of the podcast where we say keep on dissecting. Yeah, I think we're at that point. So if you haven't picked up on it yet and you're not quite sure what to do, I'm going to say while you're out there, you just keep on dissecting. <laughs> <laughs>